This season of Moms in the Middle is brought to you by Lego Duplo. Support your toddler's imagination. It turns what should be this, you know, really warm, fuzzy, fun time of the year into a warm, fuzzy time for everyone but mom, who is doing all of this work and can't really sit down and enjoy it. This is Moms in the Middle. It's a podcast for busy parents who need a little help keeping their hustle in check. My name is Ivanka Osmak, and I have a two-year-old son named George. And I'm Melanie Ng, and I have a three-year-old son named Josh. The holidays are supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year. For moms, though, it can be also the most stressful time of the year. Somehow, most of the behind the scenes, the prep work, it all falls on us. You got the gift giving, the schedule planning, the cleaning, the decorating, the hosting, and oftentimes the managing of family politics, which could be the worst part of it all. Of course, this is on top of the everyday chores and responsibilities during the non-holiday months. Okay, so whether it's intentional or not, most of us have morphed into momagers of the household. And that's where the concept of emotional labor comes into play. So what is emotional labor? And more importantly, how do we tackle it? We found a guest who will answer both of those questions, Gemma Hartley. Gemma is a writer, reporter, and author of Fed Up. It's a book on emotional labor and the mental load. She specializes in the subject areas of feminism, pop culture, health and wellness, finance budgeting, and mindfulness writing. Her work has been featured in various outlets, including Harper's Bazaar, Women's Health, The Washington Post, just to name a few. She lives with her husband, three children, and... Your words, Gemma, a wonderful dog and a terrible cat in (laughs) Reno, Nevada. Maybe we should talk more about this terrible cat that you own. Oh, my gosh. This cat is the worst. I I noticed as I was driving into the studio today that he had uh, taken a poop on top of my car. So that's fun. I get to clean up that when I get home. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely. Lovely. Like an unpotty trained child. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Very fun. (laughs) Very fun. Um, Okay, so let's start here, Gemma, because uh, we were reading a a ton of your work, and, you know, there was the the one article you had in Harper's Bazaar. I love just the title alone. It was, Women Aren't Nags, We're Just Fed Up. And so here comes the idea of emotional labor. For anyone who's not familiar with this term, what is emotional labor? So there is some debate about the correct uh, usage of emotional labor, but when I am talking about emotional labor in my book, it is the combination of the mental load and emotion management work uh, that women do behind the scenes that keeps everything running smoothly, keeps everyone comfortable and happy. And all that work is largely invisible to everyone who's not doing it. And you believe that this isn't just in your family. This isn't just for you. This applies to a lot of women in your city, in your state, in the country. Oh, yeah. And uh, far beyond. My book's been published in a lot of different countries, and it seems that it's a pretty worldwide phenomenon. (laughs) Why is that, Gemma? It's like it's inherent. Somehow we become moms and all of a sudden you play a gajillion roles. Why do you think we get to this point? So everything in my research points me towards the fact that we are socialized uh, to behave this way. So I sort of had the inkling that like, oh, maybe I'm just, you know, inherently better at this stuff, that maybe I'm naturally inclined to do emotional labor. But there were no studies out there that really bore that out. Uh, Instead, what I found was that we start learning these gender roles very, very early, and we 
just assume that it's our job, that we're going to be the ones to take this on. We're the ones expected to do this work. And so we rise to that expectation most of the time. I know Mel and I have talked about this a lot. We both have um, sons. And I know you have uh, three children, but boy and girl. And so how are you trying to change that? Or how do you see that they're kind of falling into these gender roles as well? So when I first wrote the article, I did write a little bit about how I saw, you know, my oldest and middle child, my uh, son and daughter falling into these patterns. The other one was like two years old. So he's, you know, he's a wild card. But they were doing their chores and my son would like he would need recognition and he would be like, oh, come in and look at how clean my room is. Uh, And my daughter would just do her stuff and, you know, mark it off on her chart. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder where he's seen this behavior because, uh, you know, I had often seen my husband would clean the kitchen once in a day, uh, whereas I'd been keeping it clean all day. And he'd be like, hey, did you uh, notice how clean that kitchen is? And, you know, my son was picking up on this, you know, subtle difference between us that I do the work and that's my expectation. But when dad does the work, it's going above and beyond. It's extra credit work. And so he thought the same applied to him that, you know, his chores are extra credit work and someone needs to praise him for doing this work. And that was really troubling for me to see, uh, which is sort of what made me want to write this book and really look into how we change that balance of emotional labor. So I'm, you know, not raising this entitled man child that thinks that he can, you know, (laughs) clean his room and get a pat on the back. We don't want the entitled men child, men children, Ivanka. No, we don't. But, you know, we're looking ahead to the holidays right now. And it is... Um, as a mom, as a woman, as anyone, it is stressful over the holidays uh, leading up to it. It's the lead up that I think is huge because I don't know about you, Gemma, but I for sure, I know I do the gift shopping for my husband's family. I don't think I know when the last time was that he did the shopping for his own family, but for some reason, I just feel like you have to take it on. And if you don't do it, it's not going to get done. Is that a problem? Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's a pretty self-explanatory problem um, because so much of the work of emotional labor, especially around the holidays, is, you know, doing all of that work that creates community and, you know, strong bonds within the family, uh, you know, is really creating the holiday magic. Like, that's what women do at the holidays. We are creating the holiday magic. If we stop doing everything, like, nothing, nothing happens. Um, And that's a huge problem because it turns what should be this, you know, really warm, fuzzy, fun time of the year into a warm, fuzzy time for everyone but mom who is doing all of this work and can't really sit down and enjoy it. Okay, I'm going to be a bit of a devil's advocate because what about control issues? I and I think Mel and I are the same type of personality (laughs) where we like doing things a certain way. And oftentimes we think our way is the best way. And so it's hard for us to give up control, but then we can only have ourselves to blame. So where's where's the give and take there? And how do you give up some control with still having something that you think is done well? So I am really big about talking with your partner about shared standards. Uh, I think we often go straight to the control argument and say, well, women are control freaks. And if they, you know, if they want us to step in, then you just need to let it go. And, you know, let the cards (laughs) fall where they do. And I think that that's really stressful. I know for me that would be really stressful to just, like, let it all go and hope that someone picks it up. And if they don't, well, 
you know, who's going to get blamed in that situation? Usually mom. So I think that a conversation needs to be had about what is a reasonable standard? What shared standard do we want, you know, for the holidays or even for the day-to-day running of our lives when we are going to split up the emotional labor, when we are going to try to create more balance? Uh, I don't think it's a great response to say, you know, you're a control freak and you just need to let go because that puts the onus on women still. It says that it's your responsibility and if you want it done a certain way, you have to do it. And I I think that's a really big problem when you've got one person who has created that system that works really well through, you know, trial and error and experience and another person who thinks that it's okay to have like dirty socks on the floor all the time. Because we know that does happen. That definitely does happen. So, but honestly, Gemma, the idea of even bringing up the conversation of, hey, I'm having this emotional labor with my husband is giving me some stress. <laughs> like just talking about it gives me stress. So how do you prep yourself to have these conversations and to know it's not going to blow up in either of your faces? Well, I mean, I can't give a guarantee that it's not going to blow up. And <laughs> I've certainly had blow up conversations. You know, that original article I wrote, the conversation that we had on Mother's Day was not like a calm, sit down conversation about emotional labor. It was me like having a meltdown in my closet. It was not super productive. Um, but I think what we need to do is, you know, go into these conversations, not at that moment of frustration. That is what I've found has been like the most helpful is not going in when I'm super overwhelmed, super frustrated and go in knowing that you want to change things for the better and not just air your grievances. You know, something that I hear in that question is that we feel really guilty about bringing it up and we feel really anxious about bringing it up because we think it's our responsibility to get all the words right and to explain it in the perfect way. And I think that we need to raise our expectations of our partners to want to understand our lives and to want to make things better and easier uh, within our marriages. And I I don't think that's an unreasonable expectation, but it seems to be uh, that most people think it's unreasonable to say, hey, I have something that's really difficult for me and I want you to help share this burden and to understand what it's like you know, for me to go through this every day. This season of Moms in the Middle is brought to you by Lego Duplo. Playing with Lego Duplo inspires and supports your toddler's imagination, curiosity, and courage to conquer the world one little step and one big brick at a time. Learning through play with Lego Duplo. Okay, Gemma, let's rewind. You mentioned um, <laughs> crying in your closet on Mother's Day. So you, can you just tell the story of what exactly happened and what do you wanted on Mother's Day this one particular year that kind of went sideways, the, the, the gift giving, I suppose? Uh, yes, for the gift giving. I had asked my husband to get a cleaning service to come in and I sort of wanted him to get me this gift so he could see some of like those invisible steps that would go behind hiring a cleaning service. You have to call around, ask for recommendations, make sure it works within the schedule. Like there's a lot of, uh, you know, mental load work that goes with that, a lot of emotional labor. And so uh, he did not do that. He decided to clean the bathrooms himself on Mother's Day. Uh. (laughs) It, It missed the mark a bit. Uh, wait, wait, so with I your three left. kids, your wonderful dog and terrible cat running around in the rest of the house. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. All all of them were my responsibility. Plus, you know, 
he's cleaning the bathroom. So I'm left to uh, pick up his shoes that he has left in the living room and remember, you know, who wants the blue sippy cup and what are we going to make for lunch today? Because I had assumed that these things would be taken care of for me on Mother's Day. And I was taking something back to our closet, you know, some clothes that my husband had left on the ground or something. And there was this big blue storage box in the middle of the closet, which holds all of our gift wrap. He had gotten it down to wrap a Mother's Day present because since he did not get me the cleaning service, he got me something else. And it had been there for days. And I kept thinking there's no way that he's just waiting for me to tell him to put this box away because it's a really heavy box. It goes on a high shelf. I'm very short. Uh, it's a lot for me to put it up, but he's really tall and strong and could just like lift it up. It would take two seconds. Uh, but he was waiting for me to tell him like, hey, could you put this away for me? Uh, because it's my responsibility to notice that it needs to be put away and to ask someone nicely to put it away for me which is not what I did. I was really angry and I like dragged a kitchen chair through the whole house and was very loud about it. And I made a lot of noise putting it up on the shelf, uh, noise that he could clearly hear from the bathroom. So he came into the closet and saw me like heaving it up on the shelf from this kitchen chair. And he's like, you know, if you want me to put that away, all you have to do is ask. No, we don't need that. No, we want you just do yeah. it. <laughs> that was sort of my moment. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the point where I like started crying. And you don't you don't read the crying in the essay, but it's definitely happening while I'm like, no, that is the problem. I don't want to have to ask. Like, I want someone who is an equal partner who notices what needs to be done and does it on the same level that I do every single day for every single thing. And so, you know, it sort of opened up this whole world of why am I the one responsible for this? There are two adults here. How did I become the, you know, project manager of the household? The momager. I didn't think we'd ever quote a Kardashian, you but do we it. are. It we're we're here. using it here. Okay, huh. so so I'm hoping, you know, there's kind of a, a good result that came out of this story and telling him, you know, why do I have to tell you I shouldn't have to ask? Did things change after that? Yeah, things definitely changed. I was able to write a follow-up article not too long afterwards where it was like I was – once again, you know, on the verge of tears because I noticed that I had like all of my laundry was folded and put away and I hadn't asked anyone to do the laundry or fold the laundry or put it away. And, you know, he sort of went along in the background doing all of this work that I normally do. And it was a really powerful moment, not just because I'm not the one doing that work, but because I knew that he was seeing what I did day to day and he was doing that work and understanding, you know, what it takes to do this type of work. And I I think that moment of recognition was really powerful. Uh, but I will say that we backslid after that. And I write a lot about that in the book, about this, you know, go moving forward and moving back and constantly having to have this conversation about emotional labor and what balance should look like. And I think that's an ongoing conversation that we're always, you know, going to have from time to time. Um, I don't think it's a one and done deal, which people are very disappointed when I tell them there's no like one conversation that's going to solve everything. <laughs> Quick fix. <laughs> but, you know, it it's a lifetime partnership and communication that you need to keep open and, you know, be willing to change because life is not stagnant. You know, it's always moving and evolving. And so I think it takes a lot of 
talking about emotional labor to uh, maintain a good balance. Gemma, you touched on one thing that is so important, and I actually wrote it down on my notepad here, and you said the word recognition. And I would say, at least I, I think Ivanka and I would be the same to say, sometimes... Sometimes even just your partner acknowledging what you have done and saying thank you for doing X, Y, Z can make a world of difference. Am I right? Oh, yeah. I think it makes a huge difference. And I think, you know, I I say like, oh, I don't want to be the one that has to praise my husband every time he cleans the kitchen. And I've kind of, uh, you know, shifted away from that um, because I think now that we balance out the emotional labor better, we are much quicker to recognize it in each other. And so when he does something, I always thank him. But the difference is I'm getting thanked a lot, too, for doing the same type of work. And having that recognition is huge. I think that's, you know, part of what makes emotional labor so frustrating is it feels like we are doing all of this work and no one even notices at all. No one appreciates it. And that, you know, under undervaluing of our work is really, really hard on us, you know, emotionally and spiritually and mentally. I'm married to someone who believes fully in outsourcing. He's like, if it's going to make your life easier, our lives easier, let's outsource. And But I still don't think he knows that in order to outsource, like you were saying earlier about the cleaning service, you still have to, you still want to make the right decision. You still want to, you know, get the best value, get the right person, whatever it may be, whatever the service you want to outsource. Is that sometimes like an easy way to decide things? You know, instead of the woman always cleaning or cooking, you outsource. Does that help? I think it can. I think outsourcing can help a lot. I don't focus a lot on outsourcing, though, because I don't think it's a reality for a lot of women. I don't think everyone has the option of outsourcing. And one of the reasons my husband didn't end up hiring a cleaning service was that it was outside of our budget. And I think that's outside of many women's reality to be able to outsource this type of work. And then, as you say, like doing the outsourcing itself, you know, yeah, it's going to be worth it in the long run to do that, you know, invisible labor up front in order to have this taken off of your plate. Um, but at the same time, I I just find that the issue is so much deeper and that we're sort of sidestepping the root of the problem uh, when we say that outsourcing is the answer to all of our problems. Gemma, mm -hmm. I want to go a little bit backward and, and talk about uh, role modeling for the children. I have a three-year-old. Ivanka has a two-year-old. They're very young. They're very impressionable. Now seems to be a very good time. I know for sure my son, when I'm cooking, he loves to help. He actually calls himself his the little helper. And it's great. I, you know, I let him put the flour in. I let him mix a pot. Even though he's mostly making a mess, he feels like he's helping out. And for me, it's super satisfying to go, yes. You are male and you are cooking and you are loving this. How, and they're young, but let's talk about some of the kids that maybe are 10, 12, teenagers. How do you get them involved? Because are they beyond a point, you know, where they just know, well, mom's going to do that and well, dad's going to do that. How do you go backward and say, actually, no, you're going to do this with me and these roles don't have to sit in these categories. How do you have those difficult conversations? So... I don't have a ton of personal experience with this because my children are still young. They're four, six and eight right now. Uh, so it was very easy for me to, you know, change things up on them when they were like two, four and six. <laughs> they hadn't really gotten set in any sort of ways. Um, 
But I do think that you can make those changes and say, look, I, I don't think we were doing things right before and we're going to start changing things in our household. Um, one word that I am really big on eliminating uh, when we're talking about emotional labor within a household is helping. First of all, I, I say that for my husband, like help implies that everything is my responsibility and that by helping, like he's getting those extra credit points, as I said, it's, you know, above and beyond for him while it's the expectation for me. And so now that we're raising kids together, we've not only eliminated that between me and my husband, but also with our kids. Um, we don't talk about them helping mom anymore, which was I, it's still a hard change for me. Like I still have to catch myself saying it. Um, but we talk about how we're contributing to the household together because this is how a family runs. Uh, you know, we have to do things together and we have to all contribute in order for things to work. And it's no one person's responsibility. So that's sort of how I am moving forward uh, with my own children. And I'm hoping that that will sort of create that sense of responsibility in each of them so that they don't repeat this pattern of mom constantly asking for help uh, implies that mom is the one that's responsible for everything and everyone else is just helpers. Little contributor. Done. Yeah, that's his new exactly. name. Put that on his apron. Or whatever. That's it. That's it. But there, I know in our household, my my husband, he does gravitate towards doing, you know, the changing of the batteries or if a toy is broken. And it's not because I can't do it. He's just better. He really is better at doing those things. And I'm better at doing other things. Cooking is not one of them, which is okay. Adam, my husband, is better. Um, but there are certain things that you're you're you have to acknowledge that you're good at, not because of your gender, but because of you, your skills. Correct? Oh yeah, absolutely. And so when I talk about balancing out emotional labor, I'm never talking about a fifty-fifty split. I think that's sort of a pipe dream. Um, and I'm also not talking about, you know, fully splitting up things that you don't want to give up. There's a lot of stuff that I don't want to give up, um, not out of a desire for control, but just because I enjoy it. Like emotional labor isn't all a drag. We talk about it being a burden all the time. But really, it's only a burden if you're the only one doing all of it all the time. Um, so there's definitely a split between what I do and what my husband does. And when there's stuff that we're not where both of us don't have a particular inclination, we'll try and split those up pretty equally. Like um, we try and split up the kids' sports and emails and school emails like that in a way that is fair because neither of us really enjoys it, but we both are similarly capable. And I think when it comes to this, it's just about, you know, having having open conversations about what you want to take on and what your partner wants to take on and how to best make that work. Okay. Okay. So let's bring this back to the holidays because there is a laundry list, no pun intended, because there is a lot of laundry to do, but there is a laundry list uh, of tasks uh, when it comes to yourself, your partner, your kids. How do you conquer and divide to tackle all of it? Yeah. So this is one area where I think like a divide and conquer approach is really, really helpful. Um, First of all, like you talk about being the one that buys all the gifts for all of the family and extended family and in-laws. That was me for so long. Last year, uh, my husband was in charge of all of the presents for his family. And even that took off so much from my plate. Um, he also took over like 
getting the tickets for the Santa train we usually go on. He did all of the Christmas cards, like all of them. I gave him like the master list I had and I was like, I'm not doing this. Here you go. And, um, you know, it. we really just kind of went through what the best way to manage all of those different expectations was. And having even just like having him be in charge of all of the communication with his family made a huge difference because I think a lot of the time that all gets piled onto one person to buy all the gifts, to do all the communication, to do all of, you know, the gathering of people at different events and like have that conversation now because it's all starting. I mean, for a lot of women, it starts even like earlier. I know I start thinking about like, we should probably get matching outfits for Christmas photos like back in August. <laughs> you know, it, that's not front of mind for him. Eh? No, no, it's not. And uh, <laughs> it's the magic, Gemma. You're creating the magic. Yeah, I'm I'm making the magic. So even though we all agree and we were nodding our heads when you were telling the story about in tears about Mother's Day, you don't want to have to ask. However, you need to have that initial conversation where you have a list of what needs to be done or you know, what's been done in the past and and that whole divide and conquer. So it, there does need to be an initial conversation where you talk about, okay, th- th- this is our to-do list. This is our chore list. So you have to somewhat get around that asking. Yeah. I mean, someone has to initiate the change. And if you're the only one that notices there's a problem, it's probably going to be you. Um, that being said, I think that there is so much room for improvement past that first conversation where you're asking your partner, like, start noticing what's going on in the household, like start tuning in, because a lot of it is that men don't expect to have to tune into their lives. They don't expect to have to take note of what is happening and sort of think that one step ahead. And that is a shift that needs to happen if there's going to be any real change. Um, It can't just constantly be on you to be the one that reminds and asks and divides it up. But I will say, like, when it comes to the holiday, we had the holidays, we had a sit down for like, this is all the stuff because it's not the normal daily stuff that he can just like tune into and kind of into it from past experience or, you know, from what's going on around him. Uh, that's one where there's this really, really big intensive list that I already know by heart. And I'm like, well, here, let me bring out that list and show it to you. And we'll sort of figure it out from there. Okay, so many incredible pieces of advice here. So have the conversations. Always have those conversations. It's not a one-done deal. Recognize what your partners are doing. And then talk to your family too. Get them involved, boys, girls, whatever. And this is, we don't want someone to have to cry in a closet over the holidays. That's a horrible, <laughs> horrible thing. Uh, so we hope we never rely on that booze time. for that. No, I'm <laughs> yeah, just joking. That, that's what the line's for, yes. Gemma, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Okay, Gemma gave us a lot to think about for the upcoming holidays and for, well, all 365. So what are your takeaways? So my to-do list is long, but at the top of it, is to not do everything. And specifically when it comes to... <laughs> That's the, number, right? one. number one. Do, do not everything. do... Yeah. Uh, and it's going to be um, don't buy all the gifts this year. Split it up. And I think it makes most sense. I will buy for my family. He yes. buys for his family. Or you could make things spicy. He buys for your family and you no, buy for his. No, I think it's no? going to go horribly wrong. I think we have to know our boundaries here. Okay, so that's mine. Um, what are you going to do? I have control issues. 
You do too. Don't we laugh. Both you do we both too. Do. And I know Gemma said um, maybe it doesn't. It isn't all about control, but I, I think I, I do have to just lessen my grip on um, certain things and let my husband notice and let him take away. Now I know Adam's listening, so I, I think you're great, honey. But <laughs> but there are there are certain things that I can let control of, or let go of, and he can he can take more. Um, more ownership of. So I'm going to work on that. And maybe that will, you know, lead into my New Year's resolution as well, <laughs> that letting go of certain things, especially around the holidays. This season of Moms in the Middle is brought to you by Lego Duplo. Support your toddler's imagination. Thank you always, Adam, and all of our listeners for taking part in our podcast. We know you're listening, Adam, but we do appreciate everyone tuning in. Uh, This is always so much fun for us. Yeah. And the most important thing, though, is we'd really like you to rate and review the podcast because that gives us a really good idea of what you like and who's listening. And it just makes us bigger. So if you want to find out more, you can find us on Instagram at Moms in the Middle Podcast. And this is produced by the one and only Stephanie Phillips, presented by Frequency Podcast Network.